These past seven weeks, we've been dealing with breaking down the walls of Jericho. And a lot of people, a lot of you, both here and those listening online and on TV in Nigeria, have given us feedbacks about how these messages have helped all of us. All of us. And I would really want you to go back and listen to these messages, because today will be the last one for the series. But I want you to go back and listen to them, because I believe God has done a lot of healing. God has done a lot of revealing. And, and God has helped us to bring down some walls in our lives so that we truly can move on to become and to start doing some of the things God has put in our hearts to do for him. And last week we talked about depression, and I mentioned that depression is usually in stages. You don't have somebody one day waking up wanting to take pills to kill themselves. Or you don't have somebody waking up one day just laying in bed 24-7 with the curtains drawn in the house, not taking a bath for weeks and weeks and weeks. That doesn't just happen. It usually starts somewhere. And where it starts is in disappointments in life. And so today I want us to talk about disappointment. Because I truly believe this is where it all starts. Everything else we've talked about, offense, fear, rejection, depression, everything we've talked about, it all starts from disappointment. When we are disappointed in people, we get offended. When we are disappointed in situations, we get afraid. When we are disappointed in things, everything, if you look at it, everything actually starts from disappointment. So this one is really, really, really important. Disappointment happens to everybody. Like I said last week, it's like you're waiting for these two ends to meet, and you're so excited, waiting for it to meet, and then somebody shifts it, and it doesn't meet. And we all know that feeling that is just on the inside of you, that just makes you feel nauseated and, and, and hurt and, and just upset in your spirit. When you've prayed and you've prayed, and you've, you have faith, it's not like you don't believe God. I mean, I'm not talking about people who don't know God. I'm talking about people that know God. You have prayed. You have fasted. You trusted God. It didn't happen. It's been years now you've been praying for that thing to happen. It's not happening. Or sometimes, actually, it's getting worse. That child, when you had that child, you, you open an account... And you had dreams for that child. And here you are now. So far. That child is so far from all the dreams you had. You fell in love with this man or this woman. And in your mind, you're going to be married 75, 80 years with this person. you, You already knew how your marriage was going to be a blessing. And you wake up one day, you don't like him, he doesn't like you, your home has become hell disappointment 
But one thing is this, and I want to please listen to me today, because if we begin to understand this as believers, when things don't happen the way we expected, we can look beyond that and realize that our disappointment, the fact that your appointment was dissed, doesn't mean God's appointment for you was dissed. The fact that what you expected didn't happen does not mean the expectation of God for you will not happen. Proverbs 13 verse 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It doesn't end there. It says, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. That desire is not your desire. Because we know that some of our desires don't bring life. That desire is talking about is the desire of God. God understands that when things don't happen the way you've expected, the way you've planned it all out, God knows that your heart, your soul is going to be sick. Like a sick stomach when you have eaten too much or when your stomach is upset, you can't take anything in, you're nauseated. That's exactly what happens to your soul. When things don't go the way you've planned. But I'm here to encourage you today. We'll use scriptures to let you know that the template for your life, 99.999% of the time, is not the same template God has. The template for your life is not the same template. But can you trust that God that says all things work together for good, the one that sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, can you trust him that even when things are not going the way you had planned, that he's still good? That he still has your best interest in heart? Job 23 verses 13 to 14. He says, but once he, talking about God, once he has made his decision, who can change his mind? Nobody. Nobody. Whatever he wants to do, he does. That's why he's God, and we are not. Look at verse 14. I wanted him, oh, I didn't underline that, but that needs to be underlined. He says, so he will do to me. Whatever he has planned. Not what I have planned. Whatever he has planned. He will do it to me. He says he controls my destiny. I don't control my destiny. As much as I want to, God hasn't given me that right. I belong to him. And so he knows what he needs for me. He knows what is best for me. I wasn't created for him to please me. I was created to fulfill his purpose. He, was, he didn't create me to fulfill my purpose. And so today, please, I want you to be encouraged. I know, I know we're all there. We're all there, disappointed in so many things, so many things. And we've gone to him many, many times to say, God, Why? Why? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Can I tell you today, God is telling you, burn your template. 
Go home today, write down every disappointment you've had. Go to your backyard, put some match to it, and burn it. And give God a blank sheet of paper. And say, Lord, whatever your template for my life is, begin to write it down. Begin to write it down. Because at the end, that's where you're going to find fulfillment anyway. That's where it It really is anyway. It's not what we wish for ourselves. But one thing I know, he's good. God is good. And there's no evil in God at all. He controls our destiny. It's not up to us. It's like looking at that Persian rug. Most of the time we are looking from the underside of it. And it's all messed up. It's all disorganized. And we're actually feeling the pain of that needle as it's weaving. We feel that pain. But paraventure today, I want you to go to the other side and look at that Persian rug. And see the intricacies. The different colors. What he's weaving together. That's what God wants you to see this morning. No matter your disappointed place, God is weaving something beautiful together. We may never see it on this side of heaven. We may never see it, but I promise you, one day you're going to stand before him. And you're going to see it. You will. Where does disappointment come? Disappointment all comes from failed expectations. Now, disappointment can do two things to everybody, whether you are a Christian or not. Disappointment can grow your faith. You can let God use every disappointment you have to grow you, to make you a better person, to make you stronger, to make you love more, to make you be there for people who have experienced You go through it and you say, no, because I've been through it, I'm going to make sure anybody going through it, God is going to use my disappointment to bless them. So disappointment can actually grow you. Or the devil can use disappointment to destroy you. Where you hate God, where you hate people, where you just get so depressed to the point you kill yourself. That's what disappointment can do. So let's look at some of the things he's talked about here. It says, hope deferred, Proverbs 13, verses 12, verse 12. Let's look at that word, hope. It says, hope deferred. Now, if you look at that, deferred, I just th- looked at that this morning. I'm like, wow. It's not says, it didn't say denied. It just says deferred, delayed. Or sometimes when it's deferred, it's going to come in another way, not what you wanted, But not when you believe God, he will always come through for you. It's not going to be the way you wanted it. That's what makes our heart sick. Now hope. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13, we all know the scripture. I didn't put it up there. It says three things remain. When you're talking about, you know, love, the, the love chapter. It says there are three things that remain. And it's faith, hope, and love. A lot of teaching is done on faith, and a lot of teaching is done on love. But the hope that is in the middle is kind of, it's almost like it's written in, in invisible ink. We don't see a lot of teaching on hope. We don't see a lot of 
scriptures on hope. However, almost every scripture on love, almost every scripture on faith, underneath all of those scriptures is an ink of hope going through all of them. So, because without hope, the way I see it, you have, you have faith, you have love, and then you have hope in the middle. When your hope is removed, you can't love God, you can't love people. When your hope is removed, you cannot have faith. So, hope is so crucial because your hope is what ties your faith and what ties your love together. And that is why God wants to make sure you don't lose hope. And that's why the devil doesn't want a lot of teaching and preaching on hope. Because what he's doing and he's so clever. He's taking people's hope away because they are so disappointed in God. They are so disappointed in people. He takes your hope away and your faith begins to falter and your love begins to falter. And so today we are going to bring hope back to take its place. We are going to bring hope back to take its place. Because your hope is going to be so strong, it becomes an anchor that holds your faith in place. And that holds your love of God in place. And you tell God, you know, it gets to the point in life, all of us, we have to get there. Where you say, you know what, Satan, this sheep is far gone. I'm in the middle of the sea. I've been serving God all these years. I know who God is. No matter what you do, I'm not coming off this ship. My faith in God is established. I know who I am and I know who God is. And I know God has the best plans. The Bible says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. Satan, it might not be my expected end, but I will be. And I will arrive at the expected end that God has for me. And that end is good. That end is good. So hope might not be in scriptures all over the place, but I tell you, hope, hope is the expectation, the confident expectation that you have a good future based on nothing else but the goodness of God. Hope is saying that I know that my children will be okay. Hope is saying, God, I know you will take care of me even if I can't pay my bills now. Hope is saying, I may have been unemployed for so many years, but God, I have a positive expectation because you are good. That's hope. And that's what we must never let the enemy take from us. Jeremiah 29:11. I already talked about it. It says, for I know... The thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. That is filled with hope right there. That scripture is loaded with hope. You don't see the word maybe hope there, but for you to know when you are saying that to the Lord is because you are hoping. When you are saying, Lord, I know the thoughts you have for me are good. Right now, the circumstances around you saying the thoughts of God for you are not good. But when you say that to the Lord, hope is written in invisible ink all over that scripture. Let's look at another one. Romans 8, 27 and 28 in the message. It says, he knows us far better 
than we know ourselves. Isn't that true? <laughs> Think about it even. Some of you here, maybe when you dated, when you were younger, <laughs> aren't you happy you didn't marry that person? Were you not disappointed when that person maybe was dating somebody else and things went sour? Were you not disappointed? But can't you look back now and say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, that's what he's saying here. God knows you better than you know yourself. At that time, you were so depressed and miserable. But God knew, God saw now, God saw today. Can you trust that whatever you are disappointed in today too will be the same thing? He says, God knows our pregnant condition. Do you know what that is? God knows all the dreams you're carrying inside of you. So if you, you must, everyone here, please be pregnant. Find something to be pregnant about. Because when you are pregnant with vision, when you are pregnant with purpose, when you are pregnant with a mantle, and you are pursuing it, discouragement will come, disappointment will come, but your pregnancy, you know you want to keep it, you don't want to abort. And so that's what keeps you, when a woman is pregnant, and all kinds of money sickness comes and whatever, she's holding on to that baby with everything that she needs to do. He says, God knows your pregnant condition. What pregnant condition do you have today? Make sure you have one for God to know. He says, it's that pregnant condition that keeps us present before God. When you know, God, I have a call on my life. Nothing's going to move you. That keeps you before the Lord. He says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love For God is walking into something good. Every detail. Every single detail. Every single detail is working for good. So can you see the invisible ink of hope again in that scripture? That's what I'm saying. A lot of scriptures have the ink of hope. Ephesians 3.20 It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that's working on the inside of us. That again is full of hope. To know that everything, just thinking about it, you thought about it, you're praying about it, but God does a whole lot more than what you've prayed and what you've asked for. And sometimes you're praying and asking for things that are really not even what God wants for you, but God says, I know what I need to do for you, and I will do much more. For you, amen? amen? Then secondly, that scripture talks about a sick heart. It says when hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. And again, I want to say, don't focus so much on the sick heart. Focus on the fact that when the desire comes, it brings life. Because when you let your heart stay sick for too long, the word of God cannot, a child who is sick cannot eat. A child who is sick becomes emaciated. A child who is sick cannot do much. And God is saying to you today, don't let your heart, don't stay in the heart, the A part of that scripture. Don't let the disappointment you're going through now or the disappointment you've gone through in life that has made your life sour. God says, go past it. Let your heart heal. 
And hopefully today this message God speaking to us is to do that for us so that our sick heart can be healed so we can move forward to the tree of life that the desire of God wants to bring to our life. Amen? Don't be disappointed. God is not done with us yet. God is not finished with us yet. The prison of expectation that we've put ourselves, the walls that we built around ourselves because of expectations, our expectation, we need to break that wall down, brick by brick by brick. And let God, his own expectation. Let's look at John the Baptist. It's so amazing that John the Baptist has probably become one of the people I've, I've just stayed in those scriptures and each time God just brings something more. This week God showed me something in John the Baptist again that I want to make sure I bring out this morning. How John, the expectations he had of Jesus cost him a lot. Cost him his life. Look at Matthew chapter 11 verses 2 and 3 in the NLT. It says, John the Baptist who was in prison. How many of us know we can be in prison? Invisible prison of expectation. We just, this is what we want it to be like. This is what we expect it to be like. And we've made ourselves become prisoners of our own expectations. John here was in a physical prison. But John also was in a prison of expectation. What he thought Jesus was supposed to be and do. When he was in prison, he heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Excuse me. He's your cousin. You were introduced to him in the womb. Now all of a sudden, because he's not doing it the way you want to do it, you are sending this kind of question? Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? If you remember, John's whole ministry was repent or perish. It was repent or perish. He was not, not loving in any way. All he was, I'm here to prepare the way for Jesus. If you don't repent, he's going to destroy you. That was all he preached. In fact, let's look at what John's expectation of Jesus was. Let's read something today. Look at Matthew chapter uh, 3, 11 to 12, when he was introducing Jesus. Let's see what he said, and then we're going to see how Jesus introduced himself. And you're going to see the disparity in both. And that's where John's problem was. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 to 12, John says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Listen to this. This is where it is. Verse 12. He says he's ready to separate the shaft from the wheat with his winnowing fork. He's coming with his fork to separate and destroy all of those that are not living right. Then he will clean up the threshing floor and gather the wheat in the barn and, and burn it in never-ending fire. That's John. This is who Jesus is going to come. This is what he's going to do. He's going to come with his winnowing fork. He's going to separate the wheat, separate the corn. He's going to blow those that need to be blown and he will burn the rest of you. That was John. And then, 
That's not what Jesus was doing. Let's see what Jesus talked about, about who he is, what he came to do. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. John has given his own mission of Jesus. Let's see what Jesus' mission for himself. In Luke chapter 4, verses 17 to 19. The first time Jesus introduced himself, he handed the book of the, of the prophet Isaiah, handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written of him, prophecy. It says in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Have you seen winnowing folk there? <laughs> Okay, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Have you seen repent or perish there? He has sent me to proclaim, uh, proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Did you see winnowing fork and shaft and everlasting fire there? You see what John was expecting and what Jesus really came to do? Is, it not, is that not the way our lives are? We plan it, oh, I'm going to get married at so-so-so age. I'm going, to have, we even have, I'm going to have three children. I'm going to have one boy and two girls. Oh, I'm going to, we just plan it all out so perfectly, and we draw that template, and like John the Baptist, exactly how it's going to be. But Jesus comes by and says, no, you're probably going to marry at a much because I need to prepare some things to set you free from yourself. I need to set the captives free first. <laughs> God says, you know, God plans it so differently. But here you are in prison because your expectations have put you there. And so he gets upset. He says to them, I say, go tell him. I know exactly what he's supposed to do. Here I am. I spoke the truth. I told Herod he's going to perish. Because he did whatever he did. And Jesus is out there eating with the sinners that he's supposed to be winnowing and, and destroying and burning. That's where John's problem started. God did not fulfill his agenda for Jesus. God has his own agenda. And John had his own agenda. However, when his disciples went to Jesus and said everything and Jesus, you know, in Matthew eleven four to 6 Jesus answered and said, Go tell John what you have heard. Jesus still stayed in what he came to do. He said, Go tell him the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. He's not killing them, he's actually raising them up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then he said, And blessed is he who is not offended at me. But you know what Jesus did? That <laughs> He said that to the disciples. Then he turned after they left and addressed the crowd. He wasn't mad at John. Let's see what he told the crowd in Matthew 11, 11. And I'm saying that today to let you know if you're disappointed in anything in your life, God is not mad at you. God is not, even if you raised your fist at God, he's not mad at you. Look at what Jesus said to the crowd about John. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, Matthew 11, 11, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not one reason greater than John the Baptist. Isn't that just the way the love of God is? He understood that John was not happy at him. 
He understood that John was disappointed at him. He understood that John's whole perspective of who he is and what he came to do was completely wrong. Yet, he was able to say, of all the men born, not one has risen, risen and, and, and greater than John the Baptist. For me, that was very comforting. Because I know the template I have for my life is not what I'm living right now. And I know I've raised my fist at God. And I know I've said things to him on my bathroom floor that I probably shouldn't say. But when I read this, I said, oh, okay. If you can say, John, maybe, you know, there's something in you too and me too that is great that we don't see. John didn't see himself the way God saw him. All he saw was the disappointment and, and, and the template Jesus didn't fit. But yet, God saw the greatness in him. Hallelujah. Is this blessing anybody? You all are so quiet this morning. So I want to, just a few facts before I go to how to win the battle. Just three facts that you must remember when you get disappointed or when the enemy tempts you with disappointment. Is that every disappointment is not of the devil. We are so quick. You know what? Was it on Wednesday, Pastor Ray was talking about the attack on the body of Christ has been so intense. Yeah. But you know, God is allowing it. God is allowing it to wake all of us up from our apathy. That's the truth. Because you grow more in the seasons when you are in the storm. When things are rosy, we, and that's the truth. We don't grow. When things are rough, and you have to hold on to that horn of the altar like my life depends on it, that's when you grow. That's when you read your Bible more. You read it, you wake up, you're reading Bible. In your sleep, you're reading Bible. You're praying, you wake up, you're on your knees, you, you go to sleep, you're on your knees. It's in times that we're having difficulties. Those are the times that drive us to God. So that's why there's so much to be done. I mean, you're, you see what's happening in our world. You see everything that's happening around us. And you think God wants to make you comfortable? No, he's going to, believe me, it's going to get even worse. Because God is trying to wake us up, to get us to destroy our own template. Because we are getting so discouraged, we are getting so disappointed, we are getting so, um, people are falling away, there's no zeal for serving God anymore, you know. It's like, where is the fire? Where is the fire among believers? Is this how we're going to save the world? When there's no difference whatsoever between you and the person that is lost. How are we going to save, save them? And these last days, God's word, the Bible says, even in the darkness, says, sin will abound, but the grace of God will abound even more. And you know what that will take? God, is me and you, God, we used to have that grace abound. And so if great, the grace of God is going to abound more, you are not go- God is not going to let you be in apathy or in sin. So that's why the attack on the body of Christ is high. Because God is trying to pull all of us out to do what he's called us to fit his template. Amen? So every disappointment, every discouragement, every attack is not from the devil. God is allowing a lot of attacks. Like Job, God is allowing a lot of things to happen to us. To get us to walk in our high places. Amen? Psalm 37, 23, and 24. 
It says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He, di- he delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Amen? Amen. And then number two, the facts aren't final. The facts of your situation right now, that horrible marriage you are in, finance is terrible, those children are going crazy, wayward, that's not the final thing. The truth of the word of God is final. Facts exist, yes. The diagnosis exists, yes. Your bank account is the fact that there's no money to cover your bills. That's a fact. But like my husband would always say, this triumphs over fact. The truth of the word of God triumphs over fact. And so your facts, yes, they are there. But can you trust God that the word of God, the truth of the word of God will triumph over the facts in your life right now? 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5, it says, Therefore judge nothing before the time. Don't judge your life. Don't put a full stop where God hasn't put a, a period. Don't put a period there where God hasn't put a period. Maybe God just wants a comma. Maybe God wants a dash, a little space, then continue. But you don't put a a period there. It says, don't judge anything before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from the Lord. When we see God, he will bring everything that you don't understand now to light. But what he wants you to have is hope, hope, hope. And joy, keep your joy. And keep your hope alive. And call yourself in your hope. It's a grace of God. Just like faith is a grace of God. Just like love is a grace of God. Hope is a grace of God. And God has given all of us hope. Hope. Then there's an appointed time for everything. There's an appointed time for everything. Delay sometimes is not denial. And even if it's denial because of your template, remember that it's not denial with the Lord. He has something else in place. Exodus chapter 9 verse 5. It says, and the Lord appointed a set time. There's a set time that God has appointed. We can run or we want to run. That set time, God has it down. And when that set time comes, your desire That desire, the Bible calls the tree of life. At that set time, that desire will come to pass. Can you hope and just stay with him? Quickly now, in seven minutes, how do you win the battle over disappointment? How do you win the battle over depression? Because like I said, it starts with disappointment. Everything else starts with disappointment. If you today go home, like I said, take a piece of paper. Write everything you had hoped, you had dreamt, you had wished. Write it all down. I wanted to, I wanted God to do this. I wanted God to do that. I want, I'm disappointed in this. When you finish writing it down, burn it. Burn it all up. And then take another piece of paper, blank. Leave it in your Bible. And say, God, I've given you a blank template. As long as I'm in you and I'm in your word, write on the template of my life. If you do that, nothing will, nothing will pull you away from God. Because come rain or shine, you now know his hand is working in your life. And that he's in control of your life. And that nothing will happen to you that he will not allow through his hand. Keep your joy. That's the first thing you must do. 
Joy is so important in our walk with the Lord. Joy is a lot. The Bible says joy is your strength. If you don't have joy, you won't even have strength to do anything. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, it says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need your strength to fight. You need your strength to stand. The Bible says, having done all, keep standing. It takes strength to stand. It takes a lot of strength. When you just want to give up, lay down and just die. It takes a lot of strength to stand. So the Bible says, joy is what's going to keep that strength in you. Joy is a fetcher. Joy is a fetcher. Isaiah 12 verse 3. It says, therefore with joy you will draw. It's joy that will help you to draw everything you need from the wells of salvation. Everything, when you are saved, there are wells God has put things in for you. Wells of good health, wealth of finances, wealth of relationships, wealth of how your life should go, who, who you should marry, who the schools to go to, everything. God has wells. But to draw from those wells and make it real in your life, joy is what you will need to do that. It's with joy that you will fetch from those wells. Amen? Amen. Joy is a reaper. Psalm 126 verse 5. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap in. It didn't say with joy. It says in joy. I go in the bank to get money. If I'm not in the bank, I can't withdraw that money. So it's saying that you have to be in joy to reap. Make sense? It says that word in makes all the difference. I've always read that meaning with joy. You have to have joy. No. You have to be inside of joy. That means joy has to be a part and parcel of your life. Come rain, come shine, keep your joy. And the way you keep your joy, I'll quickly go to that, is you, pray, you stay in the presence of God. Because really, that's the only way to maintain your joy. But joy is what will reap things for you. Habakkuk verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, it says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the field yields no food. That's disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. It says, though the flock may be caught from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Remain joyful. Joy doesn't come, happiness is not, joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is emotional stuff. It's dependent on situations. If it's good today, I'm happy. If it's not good, then I'm sad. But joy is irrespective of whether things are right or whether things are wrong. You maintain your joy. Number two, stay in his presence. Why? Look at this. Psalm 16 verse 11. It says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is what? So that joy that the enemy is trying to take from you, the only place you can find it and find it in full is in the presence of the Lord. So you see why it's good to be in the presence of God? 
Why is good to not let that praise and worship leave your room, leave your house? Why is good for you to stay with the, with the Lord in, in scriptural reading? Why is good for you to be in fellowship with other believers? That's how you stay in the presence of God. Those three things. Amen? Amen. And then number three is monitor your mind. Monitor what comes into your mind. Because if you don't renew your mind with some of these things, you cannot do it. And it's so easy to do. Sometimes we make this thing very complicated. It just says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As a man thinks, so is he, the Bible says. So how do you monitor your mind? When the thoughts come to try to bring you down, find a scripture and say it out. Because once you say something out of your mind, it shortcuts what thoughts is going on in your head. That's why we have to be speaking. We have to speak. Don't be quiet when those thoughts are just bombarding your head. You say something. The Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Just, even just saying that alone, you feel joy coming to you. You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You cannot. That's the secret of winning in this Christian walk. You have to fight those thoughts with words. And not just words of pity, not just words of woe me. Find scriptures. Write it down. Get a piece of paper. Write ten scriptures down. When the thoughts come, look for your... You don't have to even memorize them. Look for them and say, this is what... And just start saying them. As you do that, those thoughts... You're pulling down, like the Bible says, you're pulling down all those, all those imaginations. You're pulling down all those thoughts that try to raise themselves above the knowledge of Christ in your life. You use your words. We are speaking spirits. And depression, like I said last week, disappointment, discouragement, all they want to do is two things, steal your joy and keep you silent. And if they can do that, they've won. And we are not going to be silent. And we are not going to let anything steal our joy. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Hallelujah. 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 We are just going to pray in the spirit. I like to do this because I believe it's not by power. It's not by mind. It is by the spirit. I want the Holy Spirit as we pray for just a few minutes. Maybe a minute. I want the Holy Spirit to drive the word you've heard. Inside your mind, inside your soul, inside your spirit. Let God drive it into your heart. I want the musicians back up here, please. I want the Lord to help us today. To take every area of disappointment, to destroy it. We are giving him permission now to destroy every template we've had for our own life. We are saying, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you a fresh and a blank slate. To write in our lives whatever you want. And so raise your hands and surrender to him this morning. Raise your eyes to heavens. Raise your eyes to the hills. Because that is where your help comes from. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, my Oh, Father, we thank you that your thoughts for us are thoughts of good and not of evil. 
We thank you that our thoughts, your thoughts for us are thoughts to bring us to an expected end. Your expected end for us. Oh, right now, come against that spirit of discouragement. I come against the spirit of disappointment. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you in the life of God's people in the name of Jesus. Oh, I call upon the wells, the wells of joy. I pray, oh God, right now that you will fill your children with joy to overflowing in the Holy Spirit, oh God. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your hope, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. We receive your joy. We receive our strength today. We receive hope. Oh, hope that does not make us ashamed. We thank you that because of our hope, we are anchored in you. We are anchored strong and firmly in you to the glory of your name. Lord, I bless your people today. Oh, I bless your children today. With favor, you have surrounded them like a shield. Oh, your word says when you bless, no man can curse. You have blessed the work of our hands. You have blessed us going out. You have blessed us coming in. You have blessed everything that concerns us. Sickness is far from us in the name of Jesus. Sickness and disease is not part of our lives in the name of Jesus. Satan, I rebuke you. Satan, I rebuke you in the life of God's children. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. We will climb in our high places. The Bible says we are seated with Him in heavenly places far above. Far above our principalities and powers. We sit in our place today, Lord. And Satan, we are sitting where we belong. You will not bring us down again with disappointment. You will not bring us down again with depression. You will not bring us down with despair and discouragement. We rebuke you. Thank you, Father. I bless every husband here. I bless every man here. Oh, Father, we thank you. Making them good fathers, God. Good husbands. Everything they put their hands to do prospers. We give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, Father. I need a prayer partners. Please come out here. If you want somebody to agree with you, please come out. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. I want you to come out. Let me pray for you. Come out here. Sophia, Sonia, Sonia. Come out here. The devil is a liar. If you need prayers, please come out. Let's pray for you. If not, you are blessed. Have a wonderful week.